What's up, everyone, and welcome back to this episode 65 of Down the Line. I am joined by Raven Honda. My name is Kyle Betts. We are recording this at around 10.15 on Thursday, September 8th, 2022. Raven, how are you doing? Doing good. A pretty pretty busy week. You know, we had Labor Day on Monday. Been a, uh, I went to all three Padres games against the D-backs, and... Uh, I think I got some news. I didn't tell any of you guys this bef- uh, before we started recording, but uh, the, this year the Padres they've been having a gold ball, um, a gold ball promotion during batting practice. So if you got the gold ball, you could redeem it for free jersey on like select days. I got one of those gold balls. Hey, nice. there you go. Bad. That's insane. So. uh I already got in the works to get a, a home white uh, Manny Machado uniform, so it's currently nice. being in the process. There you go, outstanding. It That's only really took cool. it only took five months to get it, but uh, it's it's happening. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah, we are back here um, this week. A lot going on. Um, a big part of What's going to happen in this show is is football because tonight is obviously opening night for the 2022 NFL season. Um, and speaking of football, we have our special guest joining us here yet again here on Down the Line, head coach of the Rona High School freshman football team, Andrew Finley. He's also got a team at Ashton today, but Finley, how you doing? Howdy, y'all. I'm, I'm doing good. I'm excited. My team plays today against Madison High School. At Ramona High School, it's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for being back on here. I know we got a lot to talk about, and Brevin, obviously, you are an alum of Madison High School, so um, nice little storyline there. You got Finley School going up against Brevin School, and um, Varsity's gonna play them Saturday night as well. But um, Finley, what have you seen from the team so far since we kind of last talked to you here on the show? Um, are you talking about my team or are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What have you seen out of, uh, our town? <laughs> well, freshman team's growing. Um, we're getting better every week. It's been a really tough schedule. Um, we're still searching for our first win. I think we can get it tonight against Madison. Um, our scheme's getting better. We're growing as a team. Uh, varsity, they're, they're battling as well. Um, they're road warriors. They played their first game at home. They've played... Then the next four that are scheduled are on the road. They lost their first game against Poway in a tough battle last Friday night. Um, and whenever Ramona loses, they come back hungry. They don't lose two games back to back. So we're going to go into Madison Saturday night um, hungry. And, you know, and like I said, Ramona doesn't lose twice in a row without having some sort of um, catastrophic. Like last year we lost two in a row. We lost 12 guys to COVID. So Ramona's going to be hungry. They're going to go into Madison. They're road warriors right now. Um, yeah, it's it's a battle right now, but, but Ramona football is strong. We're going to be fine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of things to work out earlier on in the season, and it's good to hear that you guys are, are fighting um, because no matter what happens, you know, in the winner loss column, you just want to see that effort out of your team. So um, definitely makes me happy that the guys are getting better and, yeah, hopefully a good weekend all around for – Ramona, but let's get into our fast five here, our most notable news of the week, and we kind of saw this out of nowhere, this, this trade that happened. We talked about this in our last episode of Down the Line as well. Patrick Beverly, um, now a Los Angeles Laker, he signs with the Lakers, and he said he was super excited to play alongside Russell Westbrook in the Purple and Gord, being a part of that backcourt. We all know that They've had some skirmishes over the years. They've kind of had a little jawing and, and beef, if you will. But um, now it seems like they're both figuring that out and they're both bought in because um, during the first introductory press conference, Russell Westbrook threw Pat Devin Tyler to wipe his face off because obviously we're in the middle of a heat wave. Um, Pat Bev said that was the first dime of the year from Russ. <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty uh, interesting to see. It's uh, you mentioned the 
ma- not really the melees, but the uh, interactions they've had as uh, as opponents. Now you get this different vibe of them being teammates, and that'd be interesting to see um, as the rest of the trading camp uh, continues for the Lakers. Yeah, most definitely. Um, and, you, and you'll see Pat Bev as well trying to fit into that backcourt, like I mentioned, um, playing alongside Russ. It's going to be an interesting dynamic to see who ends up being in that starting lineup, but um, we'll see if they're going to be able to make that work. Let's move on to number two, and that is week two of the college football season. That's kicking off this week with Alabama, who is number one yet again. They are facing Texas. Um, so a nice matchup there uh, with Bryce Young going up against Quinn Ewers. Um, we also saw college football week one um, really start off strong. We had high-scoring games like North Carolina against App State, and then we had some really cool finishes, um, not only in that game, but also in Florida State versus LSU as well. Yeah, and then you get a total opposite when you get Iowa and and South Dakota State and all the punts and you see that game ended what was the final score? Seven to three, I think it was. And then but uh I would get seven points the way you would expect with a touchdown. I think they went field goal and then safety and safety. So Yeah. Uh, a lot of fun. It was five to three at one point. Yeah. <laughs> five to three. It was a baseball score. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we were, uh, Brevin, we were actually recording last week when that game was yeah. mm-hmm. live and when we had Jason Freund on, and I was just following it. I was like, what am I watching right now? Um, yeah. But Finley, what, did, what did you think of week one of college football season, and uh, how do you expect the rest of the season to kind of go? I mean, college football is back. <laughs> that, yeah. that was my my first thought with all these crazy finishes with these oh, yeah. with these really good matchups. And then you you look at those matchups like UNC and App State. You know, those are two pretty comparable teams. Florida State, LSU, really good matchup. You saw that outstanding finish with Utah and Florida. Um, and then you look at um, the matchup like Georgia and. Uh, Oregon, Oregon, that was just completely lopsided. And I think my biggest takeaway is that the SEC is, is dominant. Like, they always yeah. have been. Um, yep. So, you know, people are expecting a close game between Bama and Texas. I, I think Bama has it easy. Um, yep. You know, this is the SEC's league right now. Obviously, that's why people are going to them. People are leaving the Pac-12 to go other places. You know, things are moving right now. And they're trying to get stronger conferences. And right now, the SEC is king, and it has been for a while. And I think they proved that uh, over this last weekend. Absolutely. Let's stick to some football here, and let's get into some NFL. Um, We have a piece of Steelers news and actually a couple more things related to the Steelers to get into. But firstly, let's talk about their new quarterback. Mr. Bisky was named QB1 and a team captain to begin the season on Tuesday by Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin. So the MVP officially is named QB1. Yeah, it'd be interesting how long that lasts in Pittsburgh. Obviously, we know Kenny Pickett's there too. And uh, and it'd be interesting to see um, how long Mitch Mitch Trubisky remains as the QB1 in this new era of Steelers quarterback football. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I think, you know, Mitch Trubisky has a really interesting legacy to, to him right now. He's a winning quarterback, but he's not seen as a good quarterback. Um, you know, Kenny Pickett's right behind him. It, I, I find it interesting not only that he's a QB1, but he's also the team captain. Um, you know, what, what does that say if Mitch Trubisky's thrown three picks in the first half and they throw him Pickett and then he does really well, you know, what – what does that do to the team? Um, what does that say about your captain? Um, but, you know, they they took the experience over the rookie. Uh, and, you know, they saw something in training camp. Maybe Pickett's not ready yet. Um, yeah. So we'll see how the MVP does. Like I said, he has a winning track record. He hasn't he hasn't done anything spectacular, but he's a he's, – right now he's a winning quarterback. So, you know, from the outside looking in, this looks like the right choice. 
um, from not knowing too much about what's going on in Steelers camp. Yeah, absolutely. Let's stick with some Steelers news and um, talk about one of their all-time legends, Frank Hill Harris, number 32. Um, that number will be retired by the Steelers organization on December 24th um, when the team plays the Las Vegas Raiders. And it'll also mark the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. So, uh, Brevin, you see Franco Harris finally getting honored by the Steelers. Yeah, it was something that he really didn't think about um, in terms of his number being retired because of not too many numbers within that Steelers organization where their number gets retired. And you think about what that catch led to uh, back in 1972. Um, hits off of, I think, one of his teammates' helmet, and he catches the ball on a shoe tops and runs it into the end zone. And that helped the, that eventually led to the Steelers winning the Super Bowl that year. Yeah, that was a ridiculous moment in football history and good to see him being honored, but moving on to our final piece of news here on the fast five, number five, um, involving a former Steeler as well. He's a 12 year veteran. He uh, won one Super Bowl. Emmanuel Sanders, he announced his retirement as a Denver Bronco on Wednesday. He's a two-time pro bowler with the Broncos. That season was in 2014. He had over 1,400 yards and nine touchdowns with Peyton Manning throwing in the ball. Um, also played for the Steelers, as I mentioned, and the Niners, Saints, and Bills. Um, ultimately finishing his career with over 50 touchdowns. But, uh, Brevin, what, what do you think you're going to remember most about watching Emmanuel Sanders? I think it was his time with the Broncos, and you see that relationship that he, he was able to have with a player like Peyton Manning. You mentioned the nine touchdowns. You mentioned the fourteen hundred yards. It's um, you know those are that having those type of numbers in a single season is uh, tells you how big of a year that he had that year. Yeah, Finley, uh, what do you think about? Emmanuel Sanders hanging it, hanging it up. I mean, what do you think about his career and, and what he was able to do? You know, he was able to, to accomplish a lot. 12 years in the NFL is a long time. You know, it's, it's a tough, tough game, a really tough league. Um, being able to play 12 years and win a Super Bowl, you know, what you can't really ask for much more than to play with quarterbacks like Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, um, Drew Brees at one point. Um, what a storied career. Um, and to end his year or end his career in Buffalo on that playoff run, um, you know, very, very good career for Emmanuel Sanders. Absolutely. All right, let's move on. Um, we've gotten to our fast five so far, talking mostly football there, but let's get into some MLB. And I know that um, the races for Rookie of the Year and MVP, as well as even Cy Young, is kind of heating up right now. Yeah, you think about NL Rookie of the Year, you got names like Spencer Strider, who just struck out 16 players just a couple of weeks ago. You got Michael Harris, the second, Spencer Strider's teammate in Atlanta. And you got Brendan Donovan for the Cardinals in Finley. When you think about these three, is it is it safe to say that it's Spencer Strider right now? Oh, that'd be close. You know what? The, the biggest thing... The, or the biggest thing I noticed when I looked at this list was that two of them are on the Braves. Not only did they win the World Series last year, they have two. Uh, they have the top two candidates, in my opinion, for the Rookie of the Year in the National League. I, you know, I really like Michael Strider. I, I got to give it to Harris though. He's his OPS is almost 900 as a rookie. He's played almost the entire year. I think he has played the entire year. Spencer Strider has a really good argument as well. Um, I'd have to go Harris, though. I think that impact in the outfield is, has been huge. Spencer Strider, I think, has 16 wins on the, the season as well. Um, let's move to MVP right now. You've got uh, pretty much you got everyone looking up at Paul Goldschmidt right now from the St. Louis Cardinals. you got his teammate, Nolan Arenado. you got Manny Machado and Mookie Betts all in that MVP conversation. Kyle, when you think about the NL MVP, is it what do you think about Paul Goldschmidt in the season that he's had? Yeah, I think right now it is going to be Goldschmidt. I think for a while, a lot of us were thinking, oh, it's going to be Manny Machado. He's looking like 
he's got a really good lead, but after you've kind of seen the push of the Cardinals and how resilient they are, no matter what they kind of go through, Paul Goldschmidt has been a big part of that success, and even Aaron Otto, but I think, you know, being able to watch Goldschmidt and him perform at the plate night in, night out, it's been very special, so I think he's probably the front runner right now. Paul Goldschmidt's got an OPS over 1,000 right now, just one of two players in all of baseball, only trailing Aaron Judge, who we're going to get to in a little bit. But in addition to Paul Goldschmidt, we also got, uh, got to be on Triple Crown Watch as well um, at the top of all those three categories in homers, average, and RBIs. All right, we move from the National League to the American League, and we're going to first touch on AL Rookie of the Year, you got four solid rookies, starting off with the Homer Derby champ and Julio Rodriguez from Seattle. You got uh, former first overall pick, Adley Rushman from the uh, uh, Baltimore Orioles. You got Bobby Witt Jr., a former top ten, top five overall pick as well with Kansas City. And you got Stephen Kwan from the Cleveland Guardians and Finley. From those four, um, who do you see taking home uh, AL Rookie of the Year honors? I'm taking Julio Rodriguez. Um, he's so dynamic. I'd say, you know, Bobby Woods had a 2020 season. I think Julio Rodriguez is just a better version of Bobby Wood Jr. Um, Adley Rutschman has come on, but he hasn't played all year. He's made an impact, which is great, but Julio's made that impact all year. Um, Stephen Kwan has been a nice surprise in Cleveland. You know, there's an argument here for, for all these guys that have um, rookie of the year. Uh, nominations, but I think Julio Rodriguez runs away with this one pretty easily, in my opinion. I'm going to go with Julio Rodriguez as well. Kyle, when you think about AL Rookie of the Year, is it a lock right now for Julio, or does anyone have a chance to catch up to him? Yeah, I think it is pretty much a lock for the most part. Um, what we've seen in Seattle and just the hype that follows him as a player, I mean, being a part of the Home Run Derby, for example, I mean, that's it's such a big honor and you're going to get so much you know attention because of that and I think not only has he run with that but he's taking advantage of it as well just because of what he's been able to do at the plate and obviously he has that speed he has great range in the outfield as well on defense and yeah you mentioned it Finley Ali Rushman he's a great second candidate for this as well but he hasn't played the whole year as long as J-Rod has and so I think for that reason it's going to be him um, but all these names are fantastic, no doubt about it. All right, we move to AL Cy Young, and there's pretty much three guys up for grabs. You got Justin Verlander, who we talked about last week, going on the injured list. You got Dylan Seas from the Chicago White Sox, and you got Shohei Otani from the Big A up in Anaheim. And Kyle, when you look at these three, um, who do you see taking home AL Cy Young award? Yeah, this is tough as well. Um, I would probably say Verlander right now. Obviously, if Keith is able to finish that no-hitter, man, his, you know, his chances might be a little closer. I think it's still hard. it still is close between those two especially. But, man, um, I think you've got to go with Justin Verlander right now, as close as it is. Um, I don't know if you guys were watching uh, the game when he had that no-hitter in the bag as well, but – Luis Arias, man, what, what an absolute madman yep. for doing that. <laughs> mm-hmm. That came with two outs uh, in the ninth inning out in Chicago uh, within the past week. Um, we're going to continue talking Shohei Otani because he's also in the discussion for AL MVP between him and Aaron Judge and Finley. Who do you think is taking home AL MVP honors uh, with about – about a month left into the MLB season. It's an interesting debate because it's Shohei and it's Aaron Judge. Uh, my choice would be Aaron Judge, um, just because we haven't in a in a season where there hasn't been a ton of power. Aaron Judge has provided more than enough for the entire league, and not to mention he's a Gold Glover in right field. He's on a winning Yankees team. Um, you know, it, it'd be hard not to choose Aaron Judge. He's having one of the best seasons. Um, I can remember, you know, when I think MVP season, I think of, um, who's having the MVP season. I think about Aaron judge, um, Shohei Otani is obviously a special talent. Um, but Aaron judge is having that MVP season. So I think he deserves it. 
Kyle, who do you think here between Otani and Judge for MVP this year? Honestly, yeah, I'm not even going to be a homer in this situation. It's got to be Judge, man. I mean, as much as I think Shohei has a chance to do it, and his chances might even be improving, I don't know, because Judge, he's likely going to get 60, get 65. 70 doesn't seem necessarily, you know, realistic. It's very possible, but who knows at this point. But I think the way he's propelled that team to, to success, and even in the outfield with his arm as well, it's been so important for them. And so I think for those reasons, um, it's going to be judged. I really do think they need a separate award for Otani because, I mean, if it's anything like last year, they just give him the award every year, you know. But um, I think Judge is more than deserving this year. And his impact in the game, like you said, Finley, we really needed to see a guy who could pop on the ball. And he's been that guy to do it this year. Aaron Judge here in 2022 has got 55 home runs and leads – um, all of baseball to Kyle Schwarber's 36. And in the uh, American League, leads uh, by 22 over Shohei Otani's 33 home runs. And we're going to continue talking about Shohei Otani and uh, the Angels. Otani hit two home runs and went three for five on Monday, um, despite as the Angels lost uh, their series to the Astros, but did take two or three from the Tigers during their midweek home series. That included Mike Trout hitting a homer and Three consecutive games from on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Kyle, thoughts about uh, what the Angels have done over the last week? Yeah, I think it's been a little, you know, interesting to see how this team has fared over another span of a week just because I think we've seen this team go through so many different obstacles. And now when they're pretty much resulting in another week where it's not necessarily successful. I think you, you reach a point where you start asking a lot more questions and part of that comes with the manager. And I think Phil Nevin, um, he's been under fire a lot, you know, recently just because they haven't strung together the results they, they needed, especially with that team. And exhibit A is last night. I mean, the Tigers coming back, scoring two in the ninth inning um, on the road to beat the Angels um, during that afternoon game. It, it was just tough to see, especially – when you're able to put up 11 hits. Um, and there's also a comment this week from Joe Madden about the Angels use of analytics and how that affected the team and how that affected what he wanted to do for the team. And I think that was also interesting to see as well. But, yeah, it's definitely not been a great season for the Angels. I think even especially more so at the plate. And I think the stat that kind of pops out to me, Brevin, um, when you talk about the lack of, lack of success the Angels have had is that the uh, Angels OPS has been outweighing so much more than others. So I think that's really what stands out about this game. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, also right now going on, we mentioned Mike Trout's three homers, Otani's two homers on Monday. We got a home run race out in, out in the big A between Trout and Otani. Otani's got 33, as you mentioned, Trout's got 32. Kyle, how do you see uh, who takes that home run crown uh, out Anaheim? I think who's ultimately going to take the home run crown in Anaheim is going to be, you know, Shohei Otani. I mean, he, he's leading the team right now. And, you know, you see Mike Trout come back. And that's necessarily been affected by what they've been able to do as a part of the first three part of that lineup and the first three batters, you know, having the highest OPS on the team. And it's really interesting when you look at the Angels because every stat they have, um, Shohei Otani is leading in. <laughs> I mean, pretty much. It's pretty sensational. So when you consider the Angels and um, what could go better for them, I think it's also injuries. And we've seen, you know, Anthony Rendon a part of that. But it appears as if Anthony Rendon, he's making a return. He's coming back um, possibly at some point this season if he can um, he did return to um, doing full defensive drills and return to hitting in the cage. Um, so if he does return the season, he could serve a five-game suspension. And then as a result, um, well, you might even see him at full strength next year. I think having guys like that could add to this lineup yet again. Um, because like I said, we've seen Shohei Otani lead in every category this year. Mike Trout is just behind in home runs. But I think Shohei Otani is the one that's going to have to continue carrying this team 
and being the one to produce because Mike Trout, he's still trying to ease his way back from injury a little bit. He's been back for about a week and a half now, but I still think, you know, he's still getting readjusted. And we've seen some good stretches from him as well, but I think they both got to keep it up. Finley, you think about this home run race out in Anaheim. Uh, who do you think takes it between Otani and Trout? You know, Trout has a hot hand right now. With only like a month left, I would give it to Trout, honestly. Um, I understand Kyle's argument. Um, Shohei Otani has been the guy all year, but I think Mike Trout stays hot the rest of the year, and he just beats him in home runs. Doesn't mean he's going to beat him in everything else, but I think Trout has a, a super hot bat right now, and I think the home run race will belong to him. Yeah. I think it'll be pretty close, though. Currently, the Angels are 60 and 77, meaning they got 25 games left on the 2022 season. And one of their players who is currently rehabbing, in addition to trying to come back uh, from injury, is their one of their newly acquired players from the, the trade deadline back in July or back in August of last month, and that's Mickey Moniak. Uh, he had a rehab assignment with the Salt Lake Bees. And Kyle, do you think Mickey Moniak could make his return, uh, who is a San Diego product? Yeah, he could definitely make his return soon. I think that's definitely big to have a guy like that. I mean, obviously a guy so young with such talent and to see him making waves right now in the minor leagues. And you said it, he, he's had a fantastic spell so far um, being back on rehab assignment. And so I think if he's able to keep that up, I think that's going to be great to just add to the lineup because we've seen, you know, like we mentioned, the bottom seven batters have not been able to get the job done. So I think if he's able to add a spark like he did when he first arrived with the Angels, I think that's going to be really important in, you know, just improving overall team morale and just getting the bats going, I think, is what's most important. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to keep you updated as the Angels finish off their season, looking to finish the season's strong. We're going to move on to the San Diego Padres, and we're going to continue on this injury train as Padres shortstop Fernando Tatis Jr., who has been suspended for 80 games for violating MLB's Joint Drug and Prevention um, program. He had a successful surgery to repair the labrum in his left shoulder on Tuesday in L.A. And Finley, when you heard this news, uh, what was your reaction? I thought it was great news, to be honest with you. Um I mean, obviously, the suspension was bad, but hearing that he was going to get surgery, that's something Padre fans um, knew he needed that he didn't want to get. And, you know, he he got brought down to earth with this whole suspension thing and said, you know what, I I ought to get it. It'll, it'll help me in the long run. I'm going to be out for 80 games anyways. Um, I, I, it was kind of a, a best-case scenario for being out for 80 games is that he got to get that surgery. He's going to be um, ready to go when he comes back. Fernando Tatis won't return until the middle of May of 2023. And so you think about from now until then, that's about eight, nine months for him to get fully ready. Obviously, he won't, uh, he'll be, uh, he will be able to play spring training with the Padres. So you'll get to see him possibly do his rehab within that time as well. Um, before being suspended for the first part of the 2023 season. You think about this Padres team right now, uh, despite a losing effort on Monday, the Padres came back to win on Tuesday. They trailed 5 nothing. Uh, they were getting no hit. They were getting perfected, uh, entering the bottom of the fifth inning until Josh Bell worked a walk and Jake Cronworth hit a two-run homer, followed by Hassan Kim hitting another homer as well to make it a 5-3 game and eventually led to a 6-5 walk-off victory from none other than Jorge Alfaro um, in a two-run game, uh, game-winning game single uh, back off back up the middle of D-backs uh, pitcher Ian Kennedy. And the same one yesterday, so that's two straight wins going into uh, a weekend showdown against the Dodgers here at Petco Park this weekend. That's also depending on weather permitting uh, with Hurricane or Tropical Storm K uh, down in the Baja right now. But Finley, when you think about a win on Tuesday, how much does that help um, going into this Dodger series? You know, I, I think it helps a lot. Not not necessarily because we're facing the Dodgers. I, I think mm-hmm. it's because the Padres this season have not been hitting very well at Petco Park. And 
you're trailing 5-0 and you come back from that, um, that's a big confidence boost. That tells the team, look, we could be – it doesn't matter who we're playing. It doesn't matter, you know, what we're down by, how late. We can hit in this ballpark. We can come back and we can win games. Um, 5-0 is not an easy comeback, um, especially in the fifth inning. But they had four innings. They had four innings to score six runs and win the game, and they did it. You know that. I think that's that's a really big confidence booster um, for any game they play at Petco Park for the rest of the season and in the postseason, hopefully. The Padres were coming off a three-game losing streak um, before that, and Alfaro uh, recorded that walk-off hit with two outs and with the bases loaded in the ninth inning as well, and. Kyle, what, what is your rea- reaction to seeing um, – I don't know if you saw, but what was your reaction to seeing that comeback win on Tuesday? Yeah, I did see that. That was great. I think, you know, that's really all the Padres need to get this momentum, you know, to continue going forward just because, you know, this wild card race is so tight, and I think you've got to be teams like the Diamondbacks in order to, you know, reach new heights as a team. And I think that was important for the Padres to continue doing that. Um, obviously the D-backs play hard in all these games that the Padres, you know, have edged out in the series were pretty close, but um, that's just kind of who the D-backs are, having all these young guys. I mean, they're really gritty. Um, and now you see the Padres looking ahead. Um, I think they're going to have a good series, you know, here coming up um, against the Dodgers. It's always good these, to see these two teams face off. And I think, you know, especially having that game, those games in San Diego is going to be really important for them as well before they hit the road again. Uh, next weekend, the Padres play their final four games of the year against the D-backs next weekend at Chase Field, uh, September 15th through 18th. Um, and before that, they will be going to Seattle in between their series against the Dodgers and the D-backs. But you think about what those two wins were able to do in the wildcard standings. It led to them being uh, tied by percentage points with the Phillies. Um, but it led to below them uh, Milwaukee now being four games back of the Padres in the wild card standings after they lost uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday. You think about Tuesday, the Brewers were uh, they were leading by five runs at one point before losing in a walk off fashion um, to the Rockies at Coors Field. All right. We are going to take a break right now. When we come back, we're going to talk some some NBA we're in talk some um 2k 23 rankings we're going to get into some NFL week one the uh the first game of week one of this year's NFL season begins tonight uh we're going to talk about the Rams taking on the Bills we're going to get into some of the games on Sunday and we're going to talk some more fantasy football uh when we come back here on it down the line Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Down the Line. It's the second half of episode number 65. I'm Bourbon Honda alongside Kyle Bedsford, joined with the head football coach of the Ramona High School freshman football team, Andrew Finley. He's also worked with us while we were at the Daily Aztec. Finley's Ramona's uh, Ramona team is taking on my alma mater tonight. Um, that game is in uh, uh, our town. Uh, in Ramona, um, in our first half of our show, we talked 
Uh, we talked a little bit about the Steelers. Uh, Mike Tomlin naming Mitch Trubisky the QB1. The Steelers also announcing they're going to retire Franco Harris's number 32 um, on Christmas Eve against the Raiders. Um, we talked some Angels. We talked some Padres. Now we're going to get into some NBA. We currently uh, we saw some NBA 2K23 rankings come out, and we saw um, top players getting ranked, led by Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, with a 97 ranking, Kyle, what was your reaction to seeing Giannis at a 97 to lead the way? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a high number, but I think he's very deserving of it. I mean, he's already, you know, proven it so far in his career, you know, winning so much, and um, including the NBA Finals, I think, being the MVP of the league as well. Um, and I think LeBron having a 96 rating along with Steph, KD and Nikola Jokic, as well as Joel Embiid, I think those numbers are fair for all of them, just because they all possess such different skill sets and talents, but they're all fantastic players. And um, I, I think the funniest part, Brevin, was uh, Kevin Durant's reaction. Yeah, Kevin Durant called his rating laughable. Uh, he's a two-time NBA Finals MVP as well. And Finley, when you look at these rankings... What was your reaction to the entire uh, these these top rankings as well as Kevin Durant's laughable 96 rating? I'm going to level with you. I'm not a big basketball guy, but I know these names. And I know that, you know, if, if you were to ask me, you know, who do you think the best players in the NBA are? I'd say these names right here. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think LeBron, <laughs> Durant needs to cool down a little bit. He, 96 overall, that's the second highest rating. And that they give it that they gave in the game. I, I think I think that's pretty good. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it it his statement is laughable. Not the rating. His statement is laughable. Below Kevin Durant, you got Luka Doncic at ninety five. You got Kawhi Leonard, the former Aztec, at ninety four. And then you got a couple of younger players with a veteran. At 93, you got John Morant there at 93, Jason Tatum from the Boston Celtics at 93, as well as Jimmy Butler at 93. And Kyle, what are your over, overall thoughts to the 2K ratings this year? Yeah, I think these ratings, like I said before, there's a lot of big names on here. And to, for all of them to share the same rating, I think is pretty appropriate just because, you know, all their talents help them lead their teams in so many different ways. Um, Luka Doncic being in 95, I think he has the opportunity to increase that at least before next season. And the lone 94 is Kawhi. I think that's great to see as well. You know, we haven't seen Kawhi play in pretty much over a year, but he still has a 94. Um, I don't know who does the ratings, but at least that says a lot about Kawhi and the level that he's at. And right behind him, you got John Morant, Jason Tatum, and Jimmy Butler in 93. I think it's a pretty solid list. Um, so, yeah, I kind of agree with Finley in that Kevin Durant calling it laughable. I mean, it's a fair rating. I mean, consider everything that's happened in the past few seasons, yep. what happened last season especially. I think for all of them to share that rating, like I said, it's pretty appropriate, I think. And I'm pretty sure – I'm going to quote Stephen A. Smith here. These ratings are – "Quote unquote fluid um, yeah. as the season goes on, so there could be we could see Kevin Durant maybe like a ninety-seven to ninety-eight possibly, but um, but yeah, like I said, these ratings uh, are interchangeable um, as the NBA season goes along. Um, we mentioned Joel Embiid at ninety-six. Uh, one of his teammates, uh, one of his new teammates, um, is now in Philly in a Montreal's Herald." He's a former Kia Sixth Man of the Year. He signed. Uh, he got a two-year, uh, which includes a player option. And Kyle, what was your actually saying? Montrez Harold signing with the 76ers. Yeah, it kind of it was kind of random, but I think it makes sense just because of his connection with Doc Rivers when he was coaching the Clippers when he was on the Clippers. So um, I, I think this move definitely makes sense. Adds a little bit of physicality to, you know their team and I think also gives maybe Joel Embiid an opportunity to get a little bit more rest off the bench um, when he needs to in games just because um, they've had Al Horford do that in the past, but last season um, 
I think it was really only Paul Reed doing that job for the Sixers. So I think they wanted to add a little bit more depth behind that. And that's a move in doing so. Mm-hmm. Uh, this weekend, you got the 2022 uh, Basketball Hall of Fame. You got Tim Hardaway. You got Manu Ginobili, Lindsey Whalen, Swin Cash, Bob Huggins, George Carl, Marianne Stanley, Hugh Evans, Teresa Shark Brent, Del Harris, Lou Hudson, Larry Casello, and Radovaj Korak being uh, all inducted uh, this weekend. Um, we're going to move on to the NFL. It's week one of the NFL season. It's finally here, and it begins with the reigning Super Bowl champions, yeah. the LA Rams, taking on the Buffalo Bills tonight at SoFi Stadium up in LA. And Finley, what's your reaction to knowing that we got an NFL game tonight? Oh, it's exciting. You know, I'm I'm all focused on my football, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm in three fantasy leagues. I love the NFL. Um, it's exciting. It, it's if it hasn't already officially been football season, it's officially football season. This is what that's what tonight says. Um, and you know, it's a time to rejoice. You know, football season is a great time of year. Mm-hmm. You got Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup going up against Stephon Diggs. And Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills. Kyle, what can we expect uh, tonight up in L.A.? Yeah, I think it's going to be a great game tonight. Uh, We've seen these two teams hash it out uh, in the past, and um, I think it's a really fantastic matchup here. Um, Josh Allen is poised to lead his team. You got Matt Stafford and those guys trying to, you know, keep their status um, as Super Bowl champions. So I think it's going to be a really good game, and, um, I'm not really sure what's going to happen. I, I kind of can't predict this game just because it's the first one of the year. You don't know what's going to happen, but um, I do expect it to be competitive. I don't expect it to be one-sided, um, and I think it'll be fun to watch. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to some top, uh, some other matchups going on this weekend, and we're going to start things off in a battle in the NFC North between the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings, the Vikings team who I picked to win the division last week on our show. Go listen to that uh, episode number 64. With uh, We had Jason Freud on, but I had the Minnesota Vikings winning this division. They're taking on the Aaron Rodgers and the Packers to start off their season. That game is on Sunday. That's a 125 game uh, on the West Coast, a 425 on the East Coast. That game uh, will be televised on Fox. And Kyle, what can we expect uh, in this Aaron Rodgers, uh, Green Bay Packers offense without Devontae Adams? Yeah, it's definitely going to look a lot different. I think he's going to utilize more of his weapons. You have guys like Romeo Dubes, who I think he's poised to have a big year. He is a rookie from Nevada. Um, So we saw him play against San Diego State several times, and he always had good performances. Um, they also have Alan Lazard. I think he's going to be a pretty solid wide receiver one, at least to start. He has that experience and that connection with Aaron Rodgers already. So I think he's going to be a good target to go to as well. Um, and I, I think a big target that Aaron Rodgers, I think should try to rely on is Robert Tanya because he was more of an end zone threat when he was healthy. But, um, I think maybe even using him, you know, even short yard situations, um, is going to be important for that team if they want to keep using the pass. And I think Aaron Jones too, he could even line up at the slot. So um, they have a lot of different weapons. They can fit in different guys. Um, and I think they can adjust to anything. So I think the Packers will be fine, even without Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. Finley, what do you think about this Packers-Vikings game on Sunday afternoon? You know, <clears throat> even though the Packers have Aaron Rodgers, this could be the changing of – I think the NFC North is up in the air. Um, yeah. The Vikings can show up and – and make a statement against uh, the Packers who have reigned over the NFC North for a long time now. So I I think this could be a big statement game for Minnesota. Um, It could also be a statement game for the Packers who lost Devontae Adams. Um, They still have a really good running back core. They still have decent receivers. Um, People are counting out the Packers this year because they don't have Devontae Adams, but I I think they still have a good team there. Um, This is a statement game for either team that wins in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I wonder who Brett Favre is rooting for this weekend. 
who played for uh, both teams during his Hall of Fame career. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on. We're going to talk about Devontae Adams and his new team, and that is the Silverback and the Las Vegas Raiders. They begin their 2022 campaign at SoFi Stadium against the Chargers. That game is on Sunday. That is uh, one of two afternoon CBS games along with the Chiefs and the Cardinals uh, in Arizona. But we think about the Raiders and the Chargers. This is uh, this was the final game of the 2021 season with the Raiders taking down the Chargers 35-32 in overtime. And with that, the Raiders went to the playoffs and the Chargers went home. Kyle, what do you think about this game uh, between the Raiders and the Chargers? Yeah, I think this is potential to be another close game, to be honest with you, just because we've seen that in the past between these two teams. And I think now that both teams have improved, I think that is exactly how it's going to play out as well. And that's why we're talking about this as well. I think, you know, it's just incredible to see how the Raiders were able to get Devontae Adams and also add on to their team because they've been through so much in the past with their coaching situations, obviously and the failed draft picks. Like, we've even seen Alex Leatherwood this offseason get released. And so I, I think it's definitely interesting to see how everything has played out, and they're still in a position where they can win, and they added a star-wide receiver like Devontae Adams, who can change the game at any time. Um, obviously, I think Justin Herbert wants to take the next step in his career as well um, and even become a potential MVP candidate. Um, but I think it's really going to come down to how well he's protected by that O-line as well. So, um, yeah, I, I think they have the talent to do so. And, yeah, it's going to be a really close game because I think they're both so evenly matched. Mm-hmm. You think about the Chargers adding a player like Khalil Mack. You think about the Raiders adding Chandler Jones um, on top of Rocky Sane and Anthony Everett as well um, to that secondary. Finley, what do you expect from this Raiders-Chargers game Sunday afternoon? Um, I expect it to be a high-scoring game, to be honest with you, or – and if it's not high scoring, this it's going to be close. Um, that's all I can really say. There's so much unknown right now because every team, I feel like every team did something to get them make themselves better this off season. Unless you're like the Seattle Seahawks, then you got worse. Um, but I I don't know what to say. I, I think it's going to be a lot of it, it's going to be a fun football game. That, that's what I do know. Um, similar to the uh, Vikings and Packers, I think. Except I think the difference here is that these two teams got got better. They both got noticeably better um, one way or another. And so this is the beginning of a long journey. And we'll, we'll see who, who starts off on the right foot. Mm-hmm. I think the only question heading into this Raiders charge game is on injury front with um, one of the secondary players from the Chargers and J.C. Jackson, uh, who injured his uh, foot. Um, during the preseason, um, he got his butt, uh, boot taken off uh, earlier this week. He's been starting to run, according to Chargers head coach, um, to the Chargers head coach. And so, uh, he's, uh, what I've heard is he's a game time decision against the Raiders. Yeah, that's definitely going to be interesting to see if he plays. Um, he's another key addition, like you've been talking about, mm-hmm. um, to that Chargers defense. And that's a reason why they've improved so much. I mean, having him along Derwin James in that secondary is going to be really yep. important. Obviously um, they have a pretty solid D line as well. So um, that's really all it comes down to um, staying healthy. And that's really all the chargers have dealt with mostly in terms of misfortune these past couple of years, because I think that's really has, it's what's been missing from their defense is injuries taking away these star players. Mm-hmm. And the final game on Sunday night that we're getting to, the Buccaneers begin their season against the Cowboys. This game is a Sunday night. Uh, this is the Sunday night game on NBC. Tom Brady gets to lead off the NBC schedule. And uh, Kyle, what do you think about this Buccaneers-Cowboys game? Yeah, I don't know what to necessarily expect in this game. Uh, the Cowboys defense... Uh, it has some holes missing, but I think that a lot of their star players can make up for that. Uh, Micah Parsons being, you know, the first one to do so. Um, but, yeah, I think the Buccaneers are going to try and start strong as well. I think 
Julio Jones might be involved a little more than we expect. Um, so seeing him, Mike Evans, and Russell Gage, that's definitely going to look weird with Tom Brady throwing to those guys. Um, but at some point, we're going to get Chris Godwin back this season as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think the Buccaneers will take this game. I think they still have a more talented roster than the Cowboys. I think they've retained most of that through the offseason as well. Um, and so with that in mind, I'm going to take them to win this game. Um, but I think, again, with it being the Cowboys, they got to have it on Sunday night for week one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Finley, we already talked about uh, this primetime matchup between Tom Brady going up against Dak Prescott here on Sunday night. Um, I think the Buccaneers take it. I, I, I feel like – I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the fact that Zeke is getting older and not as effective, but I feel like the Cowboys are due for a little bit of regression. I think that might also have to do with the Eagles being better this year, but that has nothing to do with the matchup. I think the Buccaneers, like Kyle said, just look a little bit better on paper. They have better wide receivers. They have a good running back from Leonard Fournette. They have a shutdown defense. Um, It'll be an interesting game, but I think the Buccaneers take it. The Cowboys will be without both of the uh, two of the wide receivers and James Washington, as well as Michael Gallup. The Buccaneers, they also got two questionable receivers in Russell Gage and Chris Godwin. So it's interesting to see uh, either Gage and or Godwin play or not. Giovanni Bernard, their backup running back, is also questionable. And so it'd be interesting to see. But I got the Buccaneers as well, even despite the O-line injuries and uh, absences to their team. Tom Brady will just be able to to throw the ball quicker and just uh, be able to get around um, that O-line. Uh, probably so far early. All right. We're going to talk about some fantasy football. Finley's mentioned he's in three fantasy leagues and in our league that he is uh, in uh, with us. The uh, uh, He's got Chris Godwin as one of his players. And Finley, what are your thoughts about your fantasy team so far this year? Oh, I mean, my team is the best team in the league right here. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Justin Herbert at quarterback. I got two stout running backs with DeAndre Swift and Leonard Fournette. I think people are mm-hmm. sleeping on Fournette. I got him in two of my leagues this year. Uh, I got Cooper Cup in the first round. I didn't really want that, but Cooper Cup's Cooper Cup. He's going he's gonna to ball out. Um, loving my slot receivers. Deontay Johnson, a little bit of a head scratcher, but, you know, we ball. Uh, Chris Godwin, I think he's going to be solid um, coming off an injury. So, oh, geez, I just got to. An email saying two of my kids are quitting. Uh oh. Uh oh. All right, we keep we keep fighting through. Pat Fryermuth, uh, he was the late round tight end for me. Um, do I have a backup tight end? I have Noah Fant on my. Noah Fant, uh huh. Darnell Mooney is a backup receiver for me. I also have two really good defenses. Someone want to trade me for him? I got the Rams and the Bucks. So if anyone's struggling with the defense, hit me up. Hit me up. I could use some receivers. How about end. your kicker? Who's your kicker, Finley? Oh, well, it's definitely not Evan McPherson. <laughs> uh, Harrison Buckter. Um, he, he should be really good. Uh, yep. You know, I, I think it, it, it's going to be a really competitive AFC West, so hopefully he gets a lot of points. Mm-hmm. In case you're wondering, I took Evan McPherson three picks earlier than Finley was wanting to and I gave a reaction that I wish uh, we were able to record. Uh, this week Philly takes on Luis Um, that game that matchup features also um, Christian McCaffrey and Nick Chubb Keenan Allen, Brandon Cooks uh, Darren Waller and Aaron Rodgers with Amon Ross St. Brown at Luis's flex as of right now so Love to see once this uh let's see how that matchup pans out and Finley, what's uh what's uh, your reaction to facing the weeks this week? You know, it's week one, so I can't really say too much yet. Um I think Luis has a pretty good team. Obviously McCaffrey, um, really good. I always like I think Brandon Cook's a really good sleeper pick at wide receiver. He's a really good PPR guy. Same with Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen's not really a sleeper, but he's uh he's always a really good receiver, someone I'd try to do. Someone I try to get. We'll see what Aaron Rodgers can do this year without Devontae Adams. Um, that's something everyone's been 
um, asking about this year. That's one of the big questions this year. I like Nick Chubb. He's in my he's in my three hundred dollar league. Um, yeah, he's got a solid team. It, it'll be a fun matchup. Mm-hmm. And then also uh, for like was this Kyle the second straight year, the third straight year, week one Kyle and I are going off against each other. This yeah. feels like the third year straight year or something yeah, like that. Something like that. Yeah. Uh huh. This is a big matchup here. Uh, Kyle's got Patrick Mahomes. I've got Jalen Hurts. Kyle's got Austin Eckler. I've got Dalvin Cook and Joe Mixon as well. And in the receiving aspect, Kyle's got CeeDee Lamb. I've got Mike Evans. It'd be a pretty uh, pretty hot matchup uh, this week. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, going to be interesting to see if I change my mind on the flex. Right now I have Elijah Mitchell in there right now, but I could also – moving someone like Brandon Ayuk or even like Christian Kirk, Mari Cooper. So we'll see. And, uh, yeah, in terms of maybe getting a better defense, might have to uh, whip up a quick trade for uh, Finley. <laughs> uh, um, also, I uh, got to mention the tight ends here. A couple of top three tight ends in this matchup. Kyle's got Mark Andrews. I've got Kyle Pitt. So pretty uh, – Pretty uh, some stars at their position and expected to do well here uh, in fantasy football this season. Kyle Machini's got Brandon Ayuk on his bench on top of Amari Cooper. You mentioned Christian Kirk, J.D. McKissick, Samir White as well. Robert Tunyon is there. Um, I've got Tyler Boyd, uh, Alexander Madison. I decided to fade the Bills defense tonight and go with the Eagles who play the Lions. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the Bulls have a really good defense, but it's uh-huh. also so. It, yeah, uh-huh. It's probably the only time this year I might not be starting the Bills defense yep. in it. 2022. Um, but, yeah, I got A.J. Dillon and Jamie on Pierce to back up Mixon and Cook, if need be, on top of Alexander Madison and Michael Carter. Yeah, you, you really did a great job with uh, you know, just having a good series of depth, I think, at the running back spot, for sure. I probably bought A.J. Dillon a little bit in that sixth round, I think it was. No. Uh, what round was that? That was the eighth round. Maybe bought a little bit on that, but I will take that. All right. That is going to. It looks like Kyle's getting a phone call, but yeah, I am. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, all right, we're gonna move on here from fantasy football, and we're gonna move on to trivia, right, Kyle? We got trivia. Yes, we do. All right, I'll let you take it away. Yeah. So I think a good spot to leave off on fantasy this season. Um, is do another test on last season and what happened um, in regards to really just what happened in the entirety, I think. Um, So we're going to do, I guess, from top to bottom, one through ten, we're going to go top fantasy quarterbacks, and we'll see if you guys can get this because a lot of these players and their rankings are similar to what you have. So um, you have one through 10. Do you want to give it a go, Brevin? And then we can have Finley get involved if he wants to as well. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm going to take one quarterback that I know for sure in the top 10. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tom Brady here. So Tom Brady is... Number three on this list, 386.7 fantasy points, um, had 5,316 yards on the season. All right, Bentley, who's a quarterback that was a top 10 this past year in 2021? Uh, Josh Allen. Josh Allen was number one, yes, sir. He was number one, finished with 417.7 points, had 4,407 yards passing, 36 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. And, yeah, he's the number one quarterback. Okay, I'm going to go I'm gonna go Patrick Mahomes here. Patrick Mahomes was number four on this list. Um, 374.2 fantasy points. 
He finished with 4,828 yards. Um, he also had uh, 37 passing touchdowns on the season. All right, back to you, Finley. Who do you got? All right, my turn. Um, uh, was Joe Burrow on this list? Joe Burrow is number eight on this list. So he had 328.1 fantasy points. 4,611 yards. Um, he also had 34 passing touchdowns on the season. So, yeah, he's also on that list. Right. Next, I'm going to go I'm gonna go Jalen Hurts here. Uh, Jalen Hurts is number nine on this list. He had 321.2 fantasy points, uh, 3,100 yards on the season, 16 touchdowns, nine picks. But, yeah, he, he's definitely going to look for some more stats this season. All right. You want to go, Finley? Uh, did you say Justin Herbert just now? Uh, no, we have not said Justin no. Herbert, I believe. Um, he's number two on this list. 395.6 fantasy points last season, and that he had 5,000 yards, 38 touchdowns. He broke a lot of records, and, yeah, he was the number two fantasy quarterback, actually. All right, who do I want to go with here? I'm going to go Kyler Murray. Yeah, Kyler Murray is actually number there 10. There you go. 310.5 fantasy points, 3,700 yards. He had uh, 24 passing touchdowns and 10 picks last year. Mm-hmm. There you go. All right, Kyle, where are we at so far? So I think you guys so far hit Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Tom Brady. Did one of you say Mahomes yet? Yes. So, okay, I believe you did. So that was number four as well. So you guys got the top four. And you also got um, eight, nine, and ten, I believe. Um, so you're looking for five, six, and seven on this list. All right, Finley, go ahead. Kirk Cousins? Kirk Cousins is actually number 11, so he's just outside. Yeah. Of- I was like, he had a really good – he had a, actually had a really good year last year. Yeah, right? yeah. Right outside the top ten. Yeah. That's okay. fair. Right in your turn. I'm going to go Lamar Jackson here. Lamar Jackson is actually not on the list. He's number 15. Wow. Yeah. I know he was, he was out. I think he had COVID as well yeah. last year. Yeah. No one said Aaron Rodgers yet. Aaron Rodgers is number six on yep. the list. 336 fantasy points, oh. 37 touchdowns, four huh. interceptions. Um, oh, here we go. Uh, Matthew Stafford. Number five. Oh, geez. 346.8 fantasy points. He had 41 touchdowns and 17 picks. Uh-huh. Derek Carr. Only one more. Who's that, Derek Carr on this list? Derek Carr is number 13. Okay. So okay. he's just outside this list as well. Good guesses, though. Uh-huh. So you're looking for one more. Um, what about Dak Prescott? That's him. Yep. There you go. 330 fantasy points. Uh, he had 37 touchdowns and 10 picks. So, yep. Dak Prescott is number seven. And that was good. You guys did really well. Thanks. Yeah. that I, I definitely probably would have struggled. I would have guessed Lamar a lot earlier. And maybe even guys like Ryan Tannehill. Like Ryan Tannehill was number 12 on this list. I was pretty surprised. Really? Yeah. I thought he stunk last year. Yeah. Carson Wentz. Derek Carr was 13. I would have guessed Derek Carr. Where was Wentz? Where was Wentz? 14. Okay. Yeah, he had had, uh, Carson Wentz. He had 27 touchdowns, 7 picks. So, yeah. Fish above Lamar Jackson, actually. So, yeah, there you go. All right. Well, thank you, Andrew, for hopping on this episode of Down the Line today. Appreciate having you on, as always. Any final words? Uh, Go dogs. Um, Go Aztecs. Yeah. God bless y'all. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Yes. And you too. And, yeah, I I think the Aztecs week one loss, Revan, before we kind of wrap things up here, man, that was tough to see. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think the Heat got too much. Uh, got 
Uh, probably better though, I think. Yeah, because U of A, they're probably more used to that as well. Yeah, they're probably used to that. They're like, yeah, this is nothing. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> Aztecs starting off their season 0-1, but um, they will be 1-1, I believe, after this Saturday because they're playing Idaho State. So, mm-hmm. well, as long as I don't jinx that. As long as it, as long as it, uh, the rain doesn't uh, rain on their party. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> all right. Well, that'll be it for this episode of Down the Line. Thanks again to Andrew for joining. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach A Finley, I believe it is. Yeah. So give him a follow and follow his Ramona High School freshman football team as they go through action this season, all the way in Ramona. Um, it's an exciting time there for the freshman and varsity teams, and we're definitely going to keep track of what happens this week in between Ramona and Madison, which is um, Brevin's alma mater. But yep. for Brevin, I am Kyle Betts, signing off on this episode, the 65th episode of Down the Line. Tune in next week, and we'll see you later.